Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ in an increasingly hostile culture? The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way podcast. Well, hello, everyone. I'm still Scott. And I'm still Maddie, and believe it or not, this is still the Harder Way podcast. I, I can't believe it's been a week already. I'm psyched you're ready to go. 30, 35 episodes. This is number 35. 35. So that's why I said this is still the Harder Way podcast. I remember when 35 I was 35, episodes I thought I was old. I was so young. <laughs> I was a baby. True. Time, time flies when you're having fun, I suppose. Yeah. I don't know why I said that. Um, anyway, <laughs> today we are going to be talking about something that I don't think is spoken about enough in in Christian circles and that has some really direct correlations back to the persecuted church and what we can learn from them. Uh-huh. And that is actually the subject of hospitality. Oof. Hospitality. That's and now, a tough one. I'm not just talking, I'm not talking about <laughs> hospitality in the sense of you know, home economics, right? Like, okay, do you know how to set a table properly? Do you know how to you know, right. <laughs> bake well, a pie from scratch? I do, by listen, the way. Listen, but <laughs> it sounds awfully inconvenient to me to be hospitable. So if you want me to be hospitable, for biddable, hospitable, I can't even say it. You can't it. even say it. How are you okay. expected to do it if you can't even say I, it? I'm going to need some proof from the scripture that's even a Bible thing because I'm not doing it unless the Bible says it. Well, it's pretty interesting because we talk a lot about commands in scripture but i don't hear a lot of people referencing the biblical command to be hospitable so a couple of verses here we see that in first peter 4 9 which first peter for those of you that uh don't know peter was actually writing to christians that were undergoing persecution yeah so that's important around the area of around that area. southern uh Black Sea. Mm-hmm. And so in feast in, in First Peter 4, 9, he tells them to be hospitable to one another mm. without grumbling or complaining. Oh, come on. That's the hard part, right? It's yeah. easy to be hospitable if you get to complain yeah. about it. Um, we also see in Romans 12, which people talk about Romans 12 a lot, the marks of a true Christian. Um, we're told that a mark of a true Christian is being given to hospitality. Uh-huh. So hospitality is one of the marks of a true Christian. We have uh, kind of that stereotypical verse in, in Hebrews where the writer of Hebrews tells people, do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have entertained angels unawares. But here's something that I don't know why I had never really made this connection until actually today, which is that in Hebrews 13, verse 1 He's, he's telling, I'm saying he because I'm assuming the writer is a male. <laughs> he says, let brotherly love continue. And in verses 2 and 3, he, he gives two uh, explanations of what that looks like. One is not forgetting to entertain strangers, being hospitable. And then the next is remembering to pray for our brothers and sisters in chains. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them. So those who are mistre- mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. And so the writer of Hebrews, he's talking about brotherly love, 
and he's mentioning hospitality and entertaining in the same, you know, uh, we'll say breath, right? <laughs> Metaphorical breath uh-huh. as he's referencing uh, praying for our persecuted, imprisoned brothers and sisters. Well, isn't that funny? Because that's the core verse for for our ministry mm-hmm. is remembering those in chains. And in fact, we wear handcuffs. For that exact reason. Uh, you know, people always say, are you part of law enforcement? No, we wear these for the persecuted church to remember mm-hmm. our brothers and sisters in chains. Yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. And even in, uh, just, to, just to kind of wrap up to give this full picture of kind of as New Testament believers, what we're told about hospitality, 1 Timothy 3 gives us the qualifications for, uh, depending upon your Bible translation, it'll say bishop or overseer. Mm-hmm. And Titus 1 for pastor or elder. Uh-huh. And in the qualifications for both a, a pastor and an overseer are being hospitable. Wow. That's one of the qualifications for, for being a pastor or being an overseer spiritually is being a hospitable person, you know, a hospitable my, man. My first thought is <clears throat> we've talked a lot about, we've spoken a lot about one kingdom theology. Yes, and the idea that, that, that God is the owner and we are the stewards, mm-hmm. right? Um, so hospitality really is one of many expressions of an individual who has the perspective, I don't own this, mm-hmm. it's God's. And if the Lord wants me to steward it by entertaining, by having something being hospitable, mm-hmm. then I will do that. Because if you were to think about this, if you were living... If you were living in a servant's quarters in the master's house and the master said, there are some travelers that have come to the door this evening, uh, would like you to make some food for them and prepare a place for them to sleep, you'd be like, okay. Nah, I don't really want to. <clears throat> right. I don't feel like it. That's inconvenient for me. Yeah. And I think it's interesting when we think about hospitality from the perspective of the persecuted church. Right, because we're saying, what can we learn from the persecuted church as believers here in America? Is that they're not just risking their convenience when they are being hospitable to Bible couriers or to um, to other people. They actually are sometimes risking getting in trouble legally, Mm. right? Because there are a lot of countries um, where people are really not supposed to entertain Westerners. Right. And they're not really supposed to be associated with them. I know Vietnam, that's a big one uh, where you're not you're not supposed to do that. I remember my first time in Cuba. Every place we went, okay, I, I didn't see a mosquito the whole time I was there because they using a lot of chemicals there. Yeah. And, uh, Vietnam, every, more chemicals. Every place we went, um, if we were there more than 10 or 15 minutes... Either somebody from the government would come to inspect for for mosquito larvae, mm-hmm. like in the water bottles or something. Yeah. Or they'd start fogging the building. Wow. We were in a building once, and they just start. We didn't even know that they were gonna. They were fogging it until we hear all these people outside like running, and then we go and we see fog coming down the stairs from the upper upper stories, and we go running out into the street. Mm. <clears throat> but I mean, it, so obviously the government was against it. And they were following or watching us enough, and um, but yeah, the, the in the in the persecuted countries to entertain Westerners, especially if the Westerners are viewed as Christians, so they're mm-hmm. counter-revolutionary, and the government doesn't give you permission and all that kind of stuff. It's a big problem. 
Yeah. And yet they take that command to be hospitable mm-hmm. as being higher than the law of man. And so I think of, uh, I may have told this before, but I'm thinking, I think it was my second time in Cuba. We were in the middle of nowhere. <clears throat> Some of the older ladies with us needed to use the restroom. Mm, yeah. Are we told so far on this podcast? I don't know. Uh, maybe, but we're we're at episode thirty-five, so people can't yeah, be expected man. to remember any everything. Yeah. So we're so we're out in the middle and nowhere, and we pull over, and the, we had a Cuban, a very brave Cuban lady that was with us and who was helping to translate and stuff. And so there's like one little shack in the middle, and, and there's nothing else around for as far as we know for miles. And we're a long ways from the nearest town. She goes up to this little shack and knocks on the door. Can we use your... We're traveling. We need to use the restroom. Can we use your restroom? So, of course you can. So the ladies... How many people would say yes to that? So the ladies come in the in the little house. It's a cinder block house, you know, like two or three rooms. Uh, not very big, low ceiling, kind of dark inside. You know, no windows, just uh, um, a metal roof. It's like the glass louver windows is what they have, like they have in Hawaii. Yeah. But it's not nice inside, and uh, we would we would consider it probably good enough for like a shed or a garage as far as the quality of the construction. Wow. So they lead him through the the main room into the next room, and then out the back of the house. And there's a pile of like dirt and rocks, and a and a and there's a sheet, uh, several sheets that go all the way around this pile of dirt and rocks. That's the bathroom. Wow. So each of our ladies graciously, you know, I mean, I'm so, they're so impressive. They, These ladies are with, you know, these are women that some of them were in their 60s, some in their 70s, and they had to go out and, you know, do that on a pile of rocks basically outside. And they were just so gracious and so ladylike, you know. And they, they acted so appreciative of all <coughs> Thank you so much grateful. for letting us use this. And- so meanwhile, these poor folks... Um, uh, at that time, you could get coffee. Right now, I, last time I was in Cuba, you couldn't even get decent coffee. But you could about the only thing you could get that was decent was coffee, and they everybody had it. And uh, uh, but they didn't have you know enough glasses for all of us. So they we were imagine espresso in any kind of glass you could or cup or mug or shot glass you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Many of them cracked, chipped. Yeah. No, no two matched, and they managed to put together enough espresso with a little sugar in it for all of us. We sat down and we had a drink of espresso with them. Turned out they were believers, so we got to bless them with some Bibles and stuff, and wow. and a little bit of a little financial support and, and love on them a little bit, and never see them again. Yeah. But uh, um, so they had so little. They had nothing. I mean, and uh, by know, American standards, they were like six inches from homeless. Right. I mean, honestly, there are probably homeless people in America who had more material possessions. If you want to be honest. It's material possessions? Oh, yeah. I mean, they didn't have a phone amongst them. They had a TV that didn't work. Back in those days, they'd say everybody in Cuba has a TV, but like one of them works in the <laughs> whole country. You know, they well, didn't, they had electricity once in a while for their one light bulb. You know, I mean. And yet, despite having, you know, what we in America, we'd say nothing. But despite having so little, what little they did have, they were so quick to share it. Oh, yeah. They were so quick to open up their homes to complete strangers just travelers on the road and so when you think about that you're thinking okay if they can do that how is it that i can't have people over 
who aren't strangers. And when I, you know, even if you're a, a very poor person in America, and when I have so much more than what these people have, why can I not do the same thing? So it's, it's, it can be, it can be sobering to think about. And it's something that we can really learn and, and take that example from, from the persecuted church because hospitality is difficult. I think it's really important that when uh, Peter was speaking, he said, be hospitable without grumbling or complaining. Mm. That means that by saying that, he was acknowledging that it was something that people often grumble and complain about, right? You don't say, you know, do it without grumbling or complaining if you don't think that people are going to grumble or complain. <laughs> and I think it's, you know, it's like Scripture tells us that it's it's easy to do good to people when you like them or when it's convenient, basically. I'm paraphrasing deeply, but the principle is there. Yeah, the principle is there in Scripture. And, and it's important for us to realize, I think, for me, I, I have to remind myself that it's more important what I share... Because hospitality is really about sharing. Mm-hmm. Sharing what, yourself, sharing your... Yourself, your, your home, your, your table. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I have so, when I have less. Yeah. When I have less. You know, one of the things that, principles that we live by is that we call it the God's economy principle. And so we always believe that, you know, because when you're in ministry, a lot of your life is built on people giving to you to help support you. And so we've right. always believed and hold everything up with an open hand and be a part of God's economy. You know, God gives generously, so give generously. Receive yeah. gratefully, give generously. Give generously. And it's and generous isn't even a, when I say generous I mean in the sense of like when you get a big pile hunk of potatoes and that oh that's a generous portion. Yeah. Like oh, a lot. Not generously as in I'm doing something that's generous. Look at me, I'm such a philanthropist. <laughs> right, because then that implies that I'm an owner and I'm giving away my own stuff. Maybe we could use the word <clears throat> abundantly. Oh, yeah, it's good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, give abundantly. Open. You know, I, the founders of uh, Donna and Mayor, the founders of this, uh, of this Bible Careers ministry, they live and demonstrate. I'm always just blown away. Blown away by their hospitality. level of hospitality. Uh, you know, and I've, uh, for years chased behind them and tried to follow their example. And, and I always feel like I fall really short. Mm. Um, you know, I don't have, I don't have that gregarious personality, uh, that, uh, that, that Don has. I'm a little more dry, a little more, uh, straight laced. <laughs> I'm very literal. Um, <clears throat> but I, but I, I see their example, and I think, wow, you know, that's something to, to strive for, to emulate. And we've done it a lot more. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm looking back at really the past year of our life, the past even six months, and we've hosted a lot of people in our home for extended periods of time. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's nice. I mean, it gets to be, it can be a bit much just... Um, because uh, you know we're, we're we're involved with people so much that sometimes we need a break, and it's a little bit hard. And I say this to anybody that's listening. I recognize we recognize, and I think the Lord recognizes, obviously, since He's omnip- omniscient, that if you grew up in a 
domestically difficult situation. The nice way of putting it. However that was for you. Oftentimes you will grow up and you will make your home a safe place. Mm. And it's your only place where you truly feel safe and at ease in the whole world. Because you were put so on guard and injured so much by others. And, you know, I would encourage you um, to ask the Lord to help you and heal you in that area. Um, For our own reasons, my wife and I have always kind of thought of our home as a safe space. And so it was very difficult for us to have people over. But we just started trying a little bit at a time. And we can can say, you know, being open and transparent. I mean, I would say that for the majority of my childhood, like kind of pre-teenage, we really did not have people over. No. Pretty much at all. No. Every once in a while. But it no. was pretty rare. We were always going yeah. to people's houses mm-hmm. or being involved yeah. with what they were doing. Or we were at the church because yeah. I was a pastor then. But having people actually in our physical home, opening up our, our actual home, that was much fewer and farther between. And I think that's what's so hard is when we see, like, again, Romans, and we see these the marks of a true Christian. and Being hospitable. Hospitable. The qualifications for a pastor or an overseer. Well, so when you see that... And then you, we tend to think of the final level of that. Like mm. we have this picture in our mind of what a truly hospitable person is like, right? Yeah. And we don't stop to think about the fact that, okay, yeah, that's where we want to get, but it's a journey. Yes. And it's a Holy Spirit-empowered journey. So we need Spirit mm. of God to be in us, to strengthen us, to heal us, so that we can become more like our Lord, who was so who was the example of hospitality, so that we can yeah. become uh, to live that ideal, you know. And so we need to be in the Word, we need to be praying, we need to be seeking God, and we need to pray specifically, Lord, grow me in hospitality. Mm-hmm. I remember when I when we were very first starting to really try to grow in that area. And so we would frequently have uh, missionaries mm-hmm. come stay with us. And uh, one of the things that I did for you kids was I put locks on all your bedroom doors that you could lock from the inside. Yes. Yeah. Because um, you never know. Yeah. We live in a fallen world and, and no one's ex- excluded from that. And I wanted you to feel like you could have a place. I wanted children to feel safe and comfortable. Right. Which I, I definitely appreciated that. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but... We started having different missionaries stay in our home, and I'll never forget, uh, my my favorite was Pastor Francis. Mm. Pastor Francis, uh, he's he's gone to be on with Jesus now, but he was, uh, they called him an apostle in Ghana, where he was from, and uh, he had planted, in his lifetime, he planted 60, about 60 churches. And he, uh, I know that uh, my my family would often buy just shoes and dresses galore and he'd take them back to Ghana with him because he would, uh, prostitutes, he'd take them in off the street and they oftentimes only clothes they owned were their prostitute clothes. They wow. had one thing they wore. And so he'd bring, give them clothes to wear at a church and they'd get saved and they'd start right in with, you know, following Jesus and run out of that life. And he did tremendous work in training up leaders and training up Christians and, and, uh, but he came and stay with us. He was going to stay for a week. And so I canceled all my activities except for teaching. Uh, you know, I was teaching yeah. a few night classes at the time. Uh, wasn't Didn't do anything for church. I got my sermon written in advance. And I was going to take 
Pastor Francis all around and show him around. So we showed him all around. And he was so blessed because he was really coming to get to do a little fundraising, but he's mostly coming to get a like a, like a sabbatical because he works. Yeah. Listen, you're around this guy. You'd, you'd be around him for a week, and you'd think, "Am I even a Christian?" Most I mean, pr- most prayerful person. I mean, waking up in the middle of the night, praying for hours before he would go back to sleep. Yeah, I would, and I had to tell him because he has, was in the habit of getting up and literally several times a night he'd wake up and go for a walk and pray, and then come back and sleep for a couple hours. Get up, go for a walk and pray, and I had to tell him, you know, Pastor. Um, you know, we've come a long way in America, but you're a black man and you probably shouldn't be out walking around at two o'clock in the morning by yourself or four in the morning. Yeah. So it was, uh, he's like, maybe not what maybe wouldn't have been yeah, the safest he, situation. He, so he, he, he understood in the, uh, he would just walk circles in the bedroom. Right. I'm surprised or, he didn't wear a hole in the floor. Or walk, around, or walk around the house. <laughs> yeah. But it was such a pleasure because having him with us really inspired my faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really inspired me to grow as a Christian because I saw his example up yeah. close. And I was like, wow, just what a great example. And it wasn't works. His, his prayer life was not works. Mm-mm. And he would say things to me so matter-of-factly, you know, about ministry. And, and so yeah. was, he, was a, he, was a fr- he was what I call a friend-tor. Friend-tor. He was a, a friend, friend but- and a mentor. I helped him. He helped me. Uh, yeah. It was a very, very mutually symbolic relationship. But, but so here's the, uh, what I'm getting to. So he'd been with us for a week. And, uh, you know, and it was hard. It was hard for us because we were just really learning to be hospitable. We really jumped in headfirst with the hospitality thing. We, we did. Didn't, we didn't start with like, oh, let's invite <clears throat> some people over for dinner, you no. know, once a month. It was, hey, let's have someone stay with us for a week. So, we, so we've been <laughs> praying for God to grow us in, the, in our hospitality because we want to we live out the scriptures. And he'd been with us for a week. And the plan was he'd be with us for a week. And then I was taking him to the train station. And he was taking a train to Reno. And he had another pastor he was going to stay with there. So he says, this is during the uh, Ebola outbreak. And there was one church in America where there was an Ebola outbreak. And Francis and I went to that church that Sunday. It was a Liberian church. (laughs) Anyway, didn't catch Ebola. Praise Uh, the Lord. Praise the Lord. But, uh, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, anyway, yeah. <clears throat> so he comes to me I've been teaching and I come home and he says and I'll do his voice I sound just like him when I do this I, I can vouch he's not making fun this is genuinely how he sounded he says uh, good news Pastor Scott I said good news what's the good news I have cancelled all my plans okay I'm going to stay with you for three more weeks <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> You're going to what? This really happened, you guys. My, this is exactly my, how it happened. My first thought, is, and he thinks, I'm thinking his culture is so different from ours that he thinks by offering to stay for three more weeks, he's blessing us. Yeah. You know? And, and he was. We just didn't understand and, it at the time. And I was thinking my wife is going to hang me out the window by my neck. <laughs> I'm My days on this <laughs> earth are over. How did I agree to this? And you know, um, oh. but uh, he he stayed. We, we He stayed and... Uh, we had a we had a good time and we grew and we learned mm-hmm. uh, from each other and we did some good ministry and. Um, but that was the first <clears throat> real ex- ex- big hospitality experience, and when I'm thinking about, you know, hospitality, it's not just <clears throat> opening up your home and letting someone stay with you. It's not mm-hmm. just offering up a bed. Or letting someone eat at your table because you can do that and be very much not 
hospitable. Right. Right? right. Because oh, it's, it's, been, a, done it's been done to us. It's a matter of making people feel welcome, making yes. people feel safe, making people yes. feel, you know, appreciated um, when Inviting they're in your them home. into your tribe. Yes. Yes, let yes, him yes. Play, let them be a part of your tribe for a minute or for a month. And it's funny because... It's it's something that I'll say for me personally can be difficult because I I love doing all of like, you know, oh, the cooking and let's set out these types of plates and let's decorate for this party and all that kind of stuff. That sort of thing I find very fun. I find it enjoyable. Love to bake, you know, all that, make people things. But actually having people in the home, especially mm. for long periods of time, can be difficult for me because I am so much of a homebody that I kind of treat my home as, oh, this is my little safe space, right? But, and this is going to sound weird. I think people are going to start laughing when they hear this, but um, I'm sure everybody listening is familiar with the show, The Waltons. It's one of the most famous shows. Did you know (laughs) that when I was a kid, your grandpa... He used to. He would always uh, say good night, John Boyg, and then we'd do that. We'd do that in the hallway. We'd do the the good night so sequence from the just like the Waltons from the Waltons. Yeah. So the show, the Waltons, and I love that show. I've been watching a lot of it lately, and when I watch that show, there are a lot of things. I mean, honestly, there are some great biblical lessons in that show. To be honest, but something that I'm always struck by, and honestly convicted by is the hospitality that the Waltons show to people. In the Depression. During the Great Depression in, you know, rural Virginia. Right. You know, in like Appalachia. Um, the, the, the hospitality they show, not just in, oh, we'll give you some of our food, or oh, we'll let you stay here, but, oh, you're welcome to stay as long as you want. Oh yeah, no, you just, you know, you just come on along, join us. Oh, we're so happy to have you here. You know, there's a scene where this distant cousin comes and, you know, he's kind of a troublemaker and, you know, he gets upstairs and he's kind of angry and he tells John Boy, the oldest son, oh, I, I, you don't, I know that you don't want me here any more than I want to be here. Right. And John Boy just goes, what are you talking about? You're welcome here. I'm happy you're here. And you watch the show and you're just thinking to yourself, man, this is really how Christians, you know, and I'm speaking to myself here, how, how I and how Christians in general should be. We should be so quick to welcome people into our lives and into our hearts and into our homes and make people feel like they're welcome in our homes. And there are things that you can do <laughs> to, to do a better or worse job of that. Um, I'm thinking about our neighbors. <clears throat> we have uh, we live in a cul-de-sac, and we have neighbors that are uh, they're all kind of friends, <clears throat> and uh, you know they they like to do things we don't like to do. So you can imagine what those are. But we <laughs> but you know um, we have neighbors uh, also neighbors uh, right next to us that all of them kind of exclude. Mm-hmm. They and don't really like they them. don't like them. They think they're weird, and and they are kind of weird. Um, but but you so know, are we. But we've opened up been hospitable to them in this way they've never been in our house they probably will be at some time soon but they haven't been mm-hmm. we haven't been in their house except for when it was being built we yeah. <laughs> went in it and looked at it um <clears throat> but in the winter time you know she's got a bad hip 
She just retired. She's got a bad hip. Uh, and he's uh, not real healthy. And so I have a snowblower. So I'll get out there and blow the snow out of their driveway or at least cut up a path from their front so porch. So they can walk safely. And cut a path wide enough for the car to get in and out. If I can't do their whole thing, I'll do something so that they're not blocked mm-hmm. in all the time. And when they have time, they'll get out and shovel. And, and sometimes when they're out there, they're out, if they're out there shoveling and it's not enough to use a snowblower or Tom, or my son will get out there and help them shovel. Or I'll get out there and help them shovel. So he's help them help them with their lawn <clears throat> several times. We'll, we'll mow know? if yeah if we're mowing the lawn and theirs getting a little long, we'll just run our mower over theirs too. It's not it's not a lot of work and a lot of extra work, but it's it's a blessing to them. It really means something to them, you know. Like they're like you are the best neighbors we've ever had. We don't do that much. We just try to like invite them into our tribe a little bit and just kind of mm-hmm. be. And now stop and talk to them. It's like, you know. and, exactly. And so now she loves to garden. She's got tomatoes coming on and lettuce and stuff. She Best just, lettuce you've ever had. She walks over and just knocks on the door. Hey, I got some more food. And she'll just drop off produce with us all the time. And it's not about the produce and it's not about the shovel in the driveway. It's that we just speak each other's language mm-hmm. and we just let them, in our, let them in our worlds a little bit. And that's that's a form of hospitality too. And yeah. it's, it's neat because when you do that... Um, you know, we get to say, well, why are you so nice to us? Oh, but just because we're Christians. I'm actually quite a not nice person, but because <laughs> Jesus makes me nice. Otherwise, yeah, I would that's called never, sanctification. I would never do anything for you if it wasn't for Jesus. I'd just be like, you should shovel your driveway, dummy. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'd probably blow my snow into your driveway. <laughs> <laughs> just because I can. Just because I could. Exactly. Laugh at you. But yeah, it's it's a real blessing. And, uh, and I think... The persecuted church knows that. They live yes. that. And we get the blessing when we're with them to experience that. Well, and a lot of them do their church services, especially in China, in their homes. Yeah. And that's something that we can can be thinking about, too, is just the fact that if and when persecution in the United States increases to the point where we're no longer allowed to assemble, yeah, who's going to be there to offer up their homes yeah for the church for the churches to meet well and it's that's that's something that i realized in covid we you know we we have a little uh a little bible school we do a nine month certificate in the bible and um that certificate <clears throat> well, i won't go through all the details of it but it's it's like the guts of the first two years of bible college basically Beautifully said. Yes, yeah, beautifully <laughs> said. And we take the, uh, we take folks through it. We usually only have like five or six people a, a year we take through. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've taken about forty people through so far. Yeah, praise God. And uh, but those are the people who are going to be able to lead uh, small groups in their homes effectively. Yes. But the, before you before any kind of Bible training or anything, you need to have a willingness. You need to have a heart for hospitality. And I would encourage you to start practicing now. Uh, the way we are, and so that when the time comes, when the, some well-meaning government person who thinks, "Hey, the world would be better if there weren't all these doggone Christians around here," <laughs> says we can't meet, then uh, you know, well-meaning for Satan, um, then then we're going to be able to transition into our homes easily. There'll be people who are already more mature in hospitality, and we'll be able to do those kinds of things and transition easily, and we'll we'll have our hearts trained and our and our lives trained to such a place to where we can be like Jesus, we can do it without being afraid. Yes, so that's our encouragement for you this week is to 
really, really seek to obey that scriptural command of hospitality and pray and ask the Lord to to soften your heart towards that and to give you an opportunity uh, to do that even this week. Yeah, invite somebody into your sphere, into your tribe. You don't have to have them stay at your house. You don't have to have to even feed them a meal, but some way to have them be a part of your world, mm-hmm. to be hospitable, and, and to make them feel welcome. welcome. Yeah. Well, you're welcome with us, and uh, and uh, we are, uh, we are uh, praying for you. Please pray for us, and we want to get this message out to everybody we can. So just uh, God bless you all. Have a wonderful week, and we'll catch you uh, in about seven days. Mm-hmm. We'll see you in episode 36. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Harder Way Podcast. If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to The Harder Way Podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.